Support for this episode comes from Patena. Patena is the manufacturer of leading one-way PET kegs. Patena supports brewers looking to export their product without worrying about tracking their steel keg fleet, helps breweries move into draft beer for the first time with low investment, and all with kegs that are proven to maintain the flavour of your product, even with no internal bag. Patena understands that tracking kegs abroad is difficult, and sending steel long distances isn't cost or carbon efficient. That's why Patena kegs are one-way and significantly lighter than steel, removing barriers to opening new markets abroad. Patena kegs are available across the UK and are perfect for any size brewer. As they can fill both manually and automatically, they offer a low capex switch. Patena works with brewers worldwide to get great beer into the hands of consumers. To find more about Patena's keg range, head to patena.com or to the Ace of Kegs website to purchase for the UK today. Hello everyone and welcome to the Brewers Journal podcast. We're here today in Camden Town, the home of Werewolf Beer. And I'm really honoured and privileged to be joined today by Rich White, the founder of Werewolf Beer. How are you doing? Uh, great, Tim. Thanks for coming. I mean, that was kind of like a how are you and how are you doing? And it ended up being how are you doing? So uh, an interesting take there. But um, how's your day been so far? Really good. Uh, we're just getting the tap room ready to go for the weekend. Great stuff. Um, and some really cool events. So Fantastic. Well, I feel like, Rich, you know, Werewolf Beer is a brewery that I've kind of followed a lot of your journey on so far, you know, especially with your career before then. I mean, like any business, I suppose, ups and downs. Um, how would you say, you know, these first sort of one and a half years have been? Um, not like I planned, but actually pretty good. Um, you can't really, you can't really yell too much about being able to get a brewery up and running in probably under six months of, of getting your keys. Um, and then immediately uh, being embraced by the local community and having people come in and drink beer, drink beer, drink beer. And I feel like something that I'm really impressed with is the, the sense of community you've already built here. You know, it feels like Camden, the location of Camden was really important for, for this brewery to, to exist in. It was. Um, it's, it's sort of the first place I was drawn to when I, when I started coming to the UK. Um, it was, uh, when I first came here, it was in a kind of very post-punk time for me. So the record collection had gone back to, to the back of the closet and, um, I was being a bit of a grown up, um, and coming to the UK and, and seeing Camden town and realizing that, you know, uh, past the age of, of 20, you can actually do fun things and enjoy these things that you spent a lot of time investing your life in. And so that's why uh, kind of being based in Camden has been been really helpful with that. And what does Camden mean to you? Because it's obviously such a, a tourist hotspot, but it's so much more than that as well. It is. And that's uh, that's one of the things uh, that kind of works in one of our one of our mottos is uh, that we're keeping Camden creepy. Uh, it you know, it, so much of it is basically a strip mall now, um, but it's still the, the place where the Clash and the Sex Pistols and Madness and and Two-Tone and 
and all sorts of different flavors of punk rock got their start and continue to have uh, amazing gigs all the time. And so it, it's really great to be able to be a part of that and know that uh, people people come in here to pregame before going to gigs for uh, a lot of these really great bands because no offense venues in Camden, the, the beer selection is a bit... Surprisingly so. You think, you know... It, it would be better. I mean, there are venues, of course, and and there's you know some good pubs, some good bars, but there is the Black Heart. So. There is the Black Heart. That that was that was that was going to be the one. Yeah, uh, to mention. Um, but yeah, I've always been surprised actually. You know, good independent um, quality beer is has been hard to come by here. It's. Um, I mean, a lot of it is obviously the history of brewing in the UK and the existence of the tie, the Tide House. Um, in the States, it was, you know, uh, it was always, oh, I can't get good beer at insert the venue. And that's completely gone 180. I mean, you can even go to arena shows and they'll be sure to have on local yep. craft beer. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there are places making inroads, obviously. Um, uh, Studio Lager and Roadie from uh, Signature Brew. From Signature Brew, sorry brain doesn't work all the time um it's friday getting, you're allowed. it's friday uh, getting into music venues and that's um uh, hats off to them for for being one of the places that's made that uh made uh, made music venues safe for craft beer people and so did you have it sort of you know i alluded to earlier you know i'm really impressed with the sort of community spirit that you've kind of you've got here do you have a sort of typical type of werewolf beer fan um it's, I, I think it's, I want to say it's kind of three-pronged. Um, obviously, we want people that appreciate quality beer. Um, we also want um, Americans. But uh, yeah, so Americans, people that appreciate good beer, and then uh, the rockers, the the psychobillies, uh, the horror movie fans. Um, the, the plan with all of these, and I think, uh, I hope this doesn't come off as too cynical, um, but people that care about things want to spend their money on those things. And um, it, it's something I realized working events in the States, uh, especially for stuff like pro wrestling um, or even monster trucks. And if you've never been to a monster truck show, I don't care what you think, what your preconception is, just go because it's really fun. It sounds stupid. It's really fun. But people that go to these things have saved up their money and they're going to spend it somewhere and they want to do it at these places having fun um, with things that they believe in that aligns with what they think and feel. And that's kind of, uh, part of part of the ethos we've tried to put forward. And again, I hope it doesn't sound like we're, we're targeting people and this is, we're out for money. I mean, it is a business and I, I, want, to, I want to be successful, but um, I'm not trying to catch anybody out and, and pump people for money. I want to play. It's the kind of place I want to hang out. If this place existed... I would want to come here and drink. And if I was going to spend money on, on beer, I'd do it here. And these are the kind of people we want to cater to, um, you know, the, the, the goths and the, and the horror movie nuts and the people that like classic cars, um, all those kind of, kind of things that again are linked back to, uh, you know, the U S and Americana stuff that's kind of floated back and forth between the U S and the UK since, since craft beer started, popping its head up in the early 80s back when everybody that homebrewed in the states was making bitters and esbs as i may have and everybody made a barley wine and we all drank it and pretended it was really good 
Uh, no, I, th I think you know that this is the benefit of, of running and owning your own business, being able to do things your way. You know, um, obviously we are here in Camden, underneath Camden Road Station, hence the little uh, uh, noise there. But you know, it, it's a great, great spot, great location. I mean, your brewery, sort of your desire to have a brewery, goes back a lot further than your, I suppose your your career in beer so far. It's always been part of the plan, I guess. It, um, it's, it's come and gone. I mean, obviously when you start homebrewing, which I did at about like age 20, um, within six months, you will have decided that you make the best beer on planet earth because all your friends tell you so. And, um, there's absolutely no reason that you can't just, just go open a brewery and be done with it. And then that's what you do for a living. And life, life is happy days. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth. I've done it. Uh, I've brewed as kind of a night job in the States because, um, you know, uh, you have to keep your day job because of health benefits and other things. Am I right, Americans? Uh, soapbox moment. Uh, so so uh, I did get a little burned out on that because um, small businesses, family-run businesses, especially in the States, there's some really lovely people, but also uh, there's a lot of people that are just kind of in it to to grind you down and make a lot of money and don't really care about the product or, or the people. And, uh, I hit that quite a bit and I just said, you know what? Uh, I'm enjoying my, my credit union job, which is non-for-profit community banks for anybody not familiar. Um, and we, uh, so I'm like, I'm doing really good with this. Um, decided to move to the UK and credit unions were on the up here. Uh, they're kind of coming into their own again. And so I said, well, I'm just going to move there and move straight into credit unions, which I did. Um, and then realized that it wasn't the same because it just wasn't the same scale. Um, and that was about 2013 when kind of post Brewdog craft beer started growing and growing and growing, especially in London, um, and got pushed on to a possible job at London Brewing Company. And um, I was really happy to to do there and work there. And for years I said, um, it's easier to just draw a paycheck and, and do it. And when you go home at the end of the night, it's not your problem anymore. Who wants the, the pain in the ass of being a business owner? Uh, fast forward to now where kind of after five years, uh, building up a brand with them and making really great beer, um, and having a good time, uh, getting up there in years going, you know what? It, it was always in the back of my mind, as you said, um, now's the time to do it. I think I've got the chops. I understand, um, the way business works in the UK and in London specifically. Um, and I think I've got something that I can offer to the market. So, uh, let's, let's do it. Um, and yeah, so now I'm, I'm living that dream also realizing what that dream entails uh, for better or worse. Um, and realizing any, uh, any kind of, uh, miscalculations I've made uh, on the time and energy investment involved in running your own business. Don't run your own business. Um, the uh, it, It's actually, uh, yeah, it, it, it's been it's been the dream for a long time, whether I realized it or not. And like I just said, don't run your own business. But actually, uh, things, things really, really do feel good. And being your own boss, um, for better or worse, uh, the one thing it's made me really capable of doing is making the product exactly as I want it. Yeah. Um, so I'm not pushing things out faster than they need to be. Um, I'm not skimping on ingredients. I have the, 
I, you know, I make sure I've got the right tools to do the job well and safely and, um, and sustainably so that I can continue to do this. And let's talk a little bit about the product. I mean, you have there the Cadillac, the coffee stout. I'm on the beautiful Moon Stomp Rice Lager. Um, obviously, werewolf beers, werewolf beers, beers, should I say, are clearly, as you said, of your own making. They're, they're beers that you clearly enjoy drinking and that you enjoy making. doesn't seem like you're following trends. You're making sort of classic US styles um, and really good ones at that. That's the... Um uh, obviously, as you can see on on the back of our really cool pint glasses, we're an American brewery in London. That's the that's the tagline, um, and we're trying to live up to it as much as possible. And so, uh, it's a bit of a time warp because I'm going back to what was going on when I was drinking beer in the early 2000s, going to things like the Great American Beer Festival every year out in Denver uh, with hundreds and hundreds of breweries, um, going to the beer advocate festivals going to beer festivals at places like uh, Belgian-owned brewery Amagang in the States, um, back to back to roots, back to beer that is clear and bitter and balanced and um, not to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but tastes of beer. Um, but it's, it's those flavors that when, when I got here, everybody was kind of, you know, making American craft beer, but hadn't been drinking it for very long and I felt um, that they hadn't quite got it right and that's kind of kind of what we're trying to do um, even now when you buy you know uh, the situation for getting fresh American beer here is light years ahead of where it was a decade ago um, and draft uh, draft line maintenance and all these keg things that weren't quite understood here um, have gotten better um, but you can you you can get Sierra Nevada Pale Ale here, and you could ten years ago. But I had a, an assistant brewer come to me one time, and he's like, "Oh, he's like, you know what? This is just such a classic. I love it so much. All that those caramely notes and this this hint of sherry." And I'm like, "Oh, it's it's a pale ale." I was like, "It's old. It's oxidized. That's not what it's supposed to taste like." Fresh Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is a joy. Um, you know, the, the beer that you used to buy in supermarkets in America that was, uh, that you had to pour gently is to not disturb the sediment because it was actually real ale in a bottle at that point. Um, it is not supposed to taste like that. And so Psycho Billy, our, our kind of main beer, our American pale ale, the beer that if you run, if you run a craft brewery, you should be able to make a, a standard serviceable American pale ale well. Um, but when you go with the tagline, an American brewery in London, it better be a really good one. And so that's we're aiming to give people fresh American beer thinking, you know, uh, if, if you didn't know, a lot of people do. They go, oh, this is imported. And they're like, it tastes so fresh. And like, it's because I'm, I'm making it here because it's this is it. This is that's that's what's in the tank right now. And you're going to be drinking it in a few weeks. Um so, yeah, that was a bit of a ramble, but that's that's what we want to do is is make those those beers that yeah. you would get in the states that yeah. are high quality, no matter the size of the brewery, um, drinkable, sessionable, um, repeatable, consistent. Yeah. Um, on but on our scale, and that's 
that's the point, I guess. So we have obviously Moonstomp. We have Cadillac. You mentioned Psychobilly. Uh, what other beers are in the range? Um, we've got Stray Cat, which is still a bit of an elusive one, but it's a 3.4%. Um, we're calling it Citrus Session mm-hmm. Ale. Um, but it's got wheat and it's got orange peel and orange zest. Um, and I think it probably skews a bit towards uh, an American interpretation of Belgian wit. So um, somewhere somewhere around the, the blue moon mark, okay. uh, things things like that, which were fashionable in the States in the 2000s. Um, and then my, my baby, my baby, the uh, horror show, which is our rye IPA. Um, and anybody that knows me, like put rye in anything, rye bread, rye candy bar. are the rye candy bars i would have a rye candy bar i bet yeah, um, but yeah. r- rye beer it's it's misunderstood it's it's not done right and i think it's it's like actually it and creepster our american brown ale rye ipa and american brown ale are so misunderstood over here um and i think i'm trying to bring the best versions yeah. of those available um and i've i've been told for years you know nobody's gonna buy that Nobody's going to buy those beer styles here. Um, you can't sell dark beers in the summer, um, and especially you know heavy or or weird ones. And um, we you know we've had times where we've sold out of brown ale faster than we've sold out of pale ale. Um, it does really well with also uh, be- because of the basis of home brewing in the states, the way these are constructed, um, go down really well with the the real ale crowd too. So. Um, yeah, we're really, really, really going back to to roots, not to not just for the sake of being retro, but no. because I feel those were quality things that are worth continuing doing. So you've obviously got a loyal sort of taproom audience here. Do you feel that, you know, it's obviously a challenging market at the moment and breweries all competing for the same space. Do you think you could have made your life a little easier if you made more of the beers that were on trend, the sort of DDH, hot forward, hazy pails and IPAs? I don't actually think so. Um, one of the, uh, I mean, it depends on which, which version of easy or hard you want to talk about, because a lot of those beers are really expensive to produce. Um, and again, just due to their nature, um, shelf life is again, uh, another constraint you have to you have to look at um and making beers that are completely fermented out and don't have hot material floating in them um and yeast has been dropped out um they just last longer so we can go you know we can go for quite a while without having to worry about the the beer we've got in stock it is just as tasty four months in as it is in the first week um also i mean i i don't care who you're trying to sell to um, again, it's, it's a tight market. Um, there's only so many tap lines. There's only so many tap lines that aren't tied. Um, and we're doing primarily draft beer right now. So, uh, it wouldn't have, I, I think we'd be in a worse, worse shape. Um, if we'd done that, um, if we had the money to start up with the canning line in the first place or something, um, and been able to do, uh, mail order, um, and direct a customer really easily, Maybe that's that's a way, but again, uh, the amount of hype and marketing and other things you have to do um, to keep something new and shiny in front of people at all times um, is 
is it's harder. Of it, 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 I, I, it has to be harder doing the yeah. doing the social media and the marketing for a brewery that has a, a solid core range of five beers and those stay the same all the time. Um, and then occasionally putting on events is tough enough. I cannot imagine what it would be like if you were putting out two new beers a week. Yeah, it is. And I mean, a lot of this brewery since day one has been pretty much just you. You know, you, you've had help along the way, but as you said, it's tough to, 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 to be doing everything and especially sales. But I understand recently you now have a new sales colleague on board too. Uh, we do. We we used to have, uh, if anybody knows Polly, that used to be at Solve Society. Mm-hmm. Um, she was here for kind of the, the first phase of opening doors and whatnot um, and was especially helpful because she's a very excellent photographer. So if anybody needs gig photography or product photography, uh, talk to Polly, Polly from Belgium. Um, so she, she's moved on and out of brewing because again, um, it's just, it's, it's hard work and it's not a high paid field. I mean, I'm the one paying and I understand, uh, I, I don't, I don't pay me enough. Uh, and so it's, it's a tough field to work in. So she's moved on from that and I've gotten somebody new in Josh, um, who was working with, um, disruption is brewing. Um, and he's just moved to London. Um, and is another, uh, fits another facet of the brand. I mean, he's, he's a metalhead, uh, that likes to collect occult books. And, uh, when I said is coming to Camden for work going to be an issue, uh, even though you're in South London, he said, well, no, it'll probably save me money because I'm there so much for gigs. (laughs) Um, so please, everybody, uh, welcome Josh if you see him floating around. Um, he'll be uh, he'll be telling you all about our our lovely beers and everything we have to offer. Great. Um, yeah, it's um, the next the next thing is getting in a taproom manager uh, because I'm basically brewing, running the business, doing all the marketing. Sales has shifted over to to Josh, um, but I need my weekends back because at this point. Um, I'm not sure what day it is. No. Like, no. I'm honestly, the only reason I know it's Friday is because you told me it's Friday. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Halloween drinks 2021, 20, tap room opening April 2022. But how many years back before did Werewolf really, really start? Um, I tried putting every t- everything together probably late 2018 yep. uh, because I had, I had the concept that I was going to start a brewery. Um, and again, I very foolishly thought I'd be able to work my day job and then work on concept um, and kind of brand building in the background at night. And um, how, what's, the, what's the delicate way of putting this? It was fucking stupid. That was a stupid idea. Um, <laughs> it wasn't going to happen. Uh, run, any, anybody that works in brewing knows you don't, no matter how good of a place you work for, um, you're exhausted. It's hard work. You're, you're, especially if you're in production, you're giving your body to make beer. And at the end of the day, there's, there's usually nothing left. Um, so I kind of moved on to 2019 and said it was time to leave London Brewing Company um, and work full time on the werewolf concept, which I think came together once, once we had the name and the entirety of the American brewery in London, which is obviously a nod to an American werewolf in London, the greatest film ever made. Um, we, we kind of uh, uh, went from strength to strength. That's such an annoying thing to say. Um, but we, you know, 
got got the branding together, got the logo together, created what the the core range was going to look like, and had kind of a really solid idea of what needed to happen. Um, and then the world ended for a bit, yeah. which um, a lot of people have said, "Oh, you you know you've started a brewery in lockdown. Um, that must have been really tough." And the the thing is, um, if I had taken on a lease for a brewery and bought a bunch of equipment, um, yes, yeah, I would have, I would be out of business now. Um, but those things hadn't happened yet, so I got to spend a solid two years um, planning and scheming and figuring out how, who, what, where, when um, before actually jumping, um, which. Uh, I mean, it didn't make me any money, but it also didn't cost me any money to sit mm-hmm. there and think um, and and make sure we had the concept and the plan and know how how much things cost and equipment cost and how we were going to finance things. Um, so at the end of at the end of lockdown, we were ready to take on this site and and get moving. October. October. October is obviously, you know, uh, werewolf is for life, not just for Christmas, I would say. But October is obviously a big month. It is. So events every weekend. And last year that involved a beach party with go-go dancers, um, a spooky beer festival. So think of, think of breweries that involve monsters and and scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those beers on as well of as well as ours. Um, burlesque burlesque that involved fire and blood um psycho billy bands um and probably um the two most important things this halloween are we're again doubling production of halloween our american style pumpkin beer um again this year um and expect that we'll sell out of it again um last year um it went into cans and kegs and uh, it was gone by the end of Halloween. There was, there was actually, no, no, it was gone. It was, it was gone before Halloween. Uh, so we're going to have to make sure we've got some on for Halloween weekend. Yeah. Um, and then the other big thing is we're sponsoring quite appropriately uh, the weekend of Halloween Psycho Billy Freakout Festival 2023 at the New Cross Inn. Um, and so there's 25, 25 bands and headliners are... Uh, the Reverend Horton Heat, okay, Demented Argo, uh, and the Hillbilly Moon Explosion. Um, so you've got everything from new bands that nobody's seen before, international bands, uh, and you know uh, just regular stalwarts that you see at all sorts of psychobilly events. Um, we're going to be there slinging T-shirts and making sure that everybody has plenty of uh, fresh psychobilly on tap. Fantastic! So lots to look forward to. That's yeah. for sure. And so until then, obviously October will be here before we know it. But um, for people that want to try delicious werewolf beer until then, um, where to find the tap room and um, what times are you open? Sure. Um, so the tap room is closest to uh, Camden Road Overground Station. Mm-hmm. So that's the corner of Royal College Street and Camden Road. Um, so we're about a two minute walk from that. Um, but you can get to us through like we've got three or four bus lines that go by you can google all this um but we're also walking distance about 10 minutes up the canal from king's cross uh about five minutes from camden market um and then we're surrounded by mornington crescent camden road uh sorry uh camden town station so pretty pretty centrally located yeah 
Yeah, and what are the taproom hours at the moment? Um, we're doing Fridays 4 to 9, Saturdays noon to 9, and Sundays uh, 2 to 9. Um, once I get a taproom manager, taproom managers out there, if you want an easy job that finishes at 9 p.m., uh, we'll be opening up Thursdays as well because Thursday is the new Friday, as I'm told. It is. It is. I've, I've heard the same. I've heard the same. So, yeah, word of advice, get down here because the beer is brilliant, great tap room, and centrally located. Well, cheers, Rich. Cheers, man. Cool. Thanks for joining us today. Um, Rich White, uh, founder of Werewolf Beer. And, yeah, uh, Camden Town, Camden Road, easy to get to. Come on down. See you next time.